And one mm. of the other managers went, whoa, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you just, you just like, like you just learned something there. This <laughs> is like, yeah, yeah. I can, I can have a strong opinion about something, but in the course of the dialogue, figure out that, okay, yeah, there are exceptions, there are extenuating circumstances. That, yeah, something else might be a viable option. And, and, but yeah, it, I think it might be so rare that other people watching it commented like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It, somebody, it, it, somebody didn't just go, go, you know, blow to blow, you know, fighting yeah. for their point. Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall, I'm going to try to try to salvage my voice a little bit. I've been been nursing the tea. We've had a, you know what? We've had an hour long, eh, close to an hour long dialogue before we pressed record. Uh, ironically enough to have a discussion about having dialogue. So, you know, hopefully the voice holds out after all that. No, fantastic. I appreciate you pushing through the pain, the debilitating <laughs> injuries, and, uh, you know, you know you're, all, you're all in. you got heart. I, that's, that's exactly right. And we, you know, we appreciate that. Now, I know you have heart because you've uh, been uh, flexing your speaking voice uh, this morning already. So uh, what, can you share a little bit about uh, your adventure today? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was at an elementary charter school today. Mm. It's reading week. And so they asked me to come in. Uh, apparently, I'd written some children's books, and uh, they wanted me to 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 read one. Uh, yep. And so I read to uh, from everything from pre-K all the way up to fifth grade. And nice. the, the first thing that I learned was teachers need to be paid double. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what they're paid now. Double it. Right. And there should there should be an open bar in the teachers' lounge. They should just yeah. be able to go and, you know, get a white claw, yep. shot of bourbon, and then go back into the classroom. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got, kids. <laughs> the, the kids are fantastic. Yeah, uh, so you, you were saying this, and uh, and I'm, um, it, it reminded me of some stories that I'm going to share after you uh, drop this little observation you had about what it was like there, but uh, but before you before you get into that, I I do want to highlight. Um, you're probably right that teachers are underpaid. If, if you look at most of our, you know, educational bills and so on and so forth, and uh, you know how how we've been funding education, we end up funding administration and research around schools, but not actually the teachers who are in the classroom uh, able to you know impact a life directly. So there's got to be some truth to that. And anyway, you were at the school and uh, had uh, kids of all ages in the same room. Oh, no, I did it four different times. So I had. Oh, uh, OK. OK. Yeah, I had, uh, had pre-K and then I think I had kindergarten and first. And so. So, yeah, I had different gotcha. age groups and things like that. And uh, yeah, the first thing that I did was thwart the system. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I always start off asking a few questions and they always politely raise their hand, wait to be called upon. It takes me about three to four minutes to just blow that up where I yeah. got them all talking at once. <laughs> People are just spitballing and sharing, shouting out answers and going. And I'm, 
And I'm sure if I was going to, you know, teach for eight hours a day, th this would never work. Yeah, not <laughs> you know, sustainable. Yeah, it's not, it's just too much chaos. Uh, right. But but getting that flow of ideas where they're talking and they're building on each other's ideas and, and, yeah. and you know, everything down to, you know, I was asking them, you know, what, well, what should Harry, you know, Harry the hugger, uh, the hamster, what should he do next in his next story? And they're, and they're like, he should fight dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Hippopotamuses. No, no, there should be an alligator and a dinosaur. And it just, you know, um, just, you know, just spirals out of control. But the one thing that really struck me was, was the quality of the questions. Hmm. And so this was about reading and writing. And so I said, you know, what questions do you have, you know, uh, you know, for me as an author? And, you know, you got the usual, how long does it take to write a book? And, yeah. You know, and I'll ask him to guess. And uh, it's either, you know, 20 minutes to 100 years. <laughs> they got all sorts of guesses in between. And then, uh, but yeah, I got questions, uh, questions like, where did the inspiration for the books come from? Uh, you know, one fourth grader goes, so, uh, so tell me how you develop a plot. <laughs> like, also a good question. <laughs> first of all, I was impressed. He thought my book had a plot. <laughs> nice incredible compliment uh, the uh yeah one of the kids another fourth grader he, he asked uh, uh does every book have to have a twist oh yeah uh, yeah and so we unpacked that you know we talked about okay what are your favorite stories and do yeah. you know, all your favorite stories have twists and and how does that pull you in as a as a reader Mm -hmm. But these are fourth graders and, the, you know, their, their, their ability to ask questions and, and to, to think critically and, and to share ideas. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I don't find that in kids who are a few grades up <laughs> from them. Well, so it, interesting you say it that way, because I, I just got back from the barber. And uh, as you can tell, uh, one and a half faded on the side. Oh, yeah. um, so my barber, uh, they have a lot of um, uh, young men that come into this barber shop for obvious reasons and come more often than I do for obvious reasons. You know, they keep it keep it nice and uh, manicured up there. And um, they have started noticing something. This just came out of the blue. Uh, the barber was telling me this morning that uh, they had a problem yesterday that there was a series of young men who just did not have the ability to have a conversation that they just didn't know how to interact. You know, they, they didn't have the ability and just kept sort of looking down at the floor and just, just didn't know what to do. And um, it, uh, it came up that another one of the barbers uh, had been noticing sort of something similar with the high school young men uh, who had been in his chair. And he had started sort of doing an experiment that he would try doing something to really lift them up, give them, give them some sort of compliment or encouragement um, even if it was as simple as, you know, man, you know, the fact that you're graduating from high school um, is is a real achievement. You need to be proud of the fact that you graduated from high school. You know, congratulations. You're almost there. You know, things like that. And I said, I said, let me guess. They're hungry. And he interrupted me. He said, yes, that's what happens. They're absolutely hungry for the praise. They have just it's like they've never had it before. I don't know what's going on at home. And, uh, you know, to your point. You know, I don't know what's going on at school. I don't know what's going on at home, but it does seem like as you get a little farther along, 
um, that we, it's like we lose the ability. We get, we get it programmed out of us to have these conversations, to, mm-hmm. to be able to have a dialogue. No, I think you're exactly right. And, and it's, it's a skill that's no longer practiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask any parent who's trying to call their teenage child. Uh, the child will not pick up the phone, but they will text them. Uh, what do you want? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what I want is for you to answer your phone. <laughs> no, I, not doing that, mom. You know, that's not happening. And uh, I think about you know, my daughter's first year in, in, uh, in college, and uh, she went on this website, you know, right after her senior year of high school ended. And they she matched up with somebody that she wanted to be roommates with she wanted to have a roommate Mm -hmm. and so for the entire summer uh, they 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 conversed and Mm -hmm. you know who's bringing the tv who's bringing the fridge and all that kind of stuff and i asked her you know once a week or so i said have you you talked to your roommate oh yeah yeah we talk every day i'm like okay (laughs) yeah i said did you talk to you talking did you guys what you guys figured it all out you know we're all good so we got there her roommate was already there walked in the room they interacted for about 10 minutes and you could already tell this wasn't a match (laughs) (laughs) good kid right both of them were quality kids there was just no chemistry so no chemistry there like good you know good college you know parents uh, you know we took them out you know for their final parent bought meal to lunch and yeah, you're just sitting there watching them actually speak to each other and just not working. And so um, at the end of my daughter's first semester, you know, she she switched rooms. All right. She's got a room by herself. And it was at the point I asked her, I said, you know, what, what do you think happened? She, she says, you know, I think I probably should have talked to her like uh, on the phone. <laughs> at some point. I said, so the whole summer when I was asking you, are you talking to her? You've never spoke to her voice to voice <laughs> nope <laughs> never saw the need for that oh. uh, and she says but now yeah i truly see the need to, for that so i i think i mentioned this on a previous podcast but i i met a gentleman who had a son who was a professor in new york and he asks his uh i think mostly freshman classes every year you know what are you most afraid of as you you know come into the college you know life and this this last semester the whole class that he was asking answered um, I'm afraid I'll have to speak and you know he's thinking you know oh oh like you know I'll call on you and you'll have to speak in front of class and long story short no like I'll have to have a conversation that's what they meant was I'll have to speak with somebody instead of text or uh, you know, do it, uh, do it some virtual way. So, you know, this is a, this is a real issue. And it, it basically leads us to um, probably our article that we're mostly going to focus on for the rest of this uh, podcast episode. Uh, it's from Carrie Newhoff. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little bit older. Uh, we've, uh, we've put it on the blog in the past, and, and we'll link to all of this. But uh, Carrie Newhoff is a pastor in Canada, and uh, sort of known as a uh, you know, a uh, uh, organization guy, a, a, a leadership uh, guy, interviews lots of people that uh, you and I both know um, as, you know, sort of leaders and thinkers in this field. But anyway, the this particular article, just the, the, t- the title is this, 
why all future leaders will be great conversationalists. Mm. The, the, the prophecy here is that if you're going to be a leader in the future and you want to be successful at it, you're going to have to figure out how to be a conversationalist. So, um, so we, we've, we've got some thoughts here from uh, the blog, but I, I guess b before we, you know, sort of uh, spill the beans on what he says here, Mike, initial thoughts, just hearing that phrase that a leader should be a conversationalist. Well, I think it goes back to our conversation in the last podcast where we talked about start with why. Mm -hmm. And so the the opportunity to to start with why explain, you know, your vision, your mission, you know, what why what's the whole point of this thing? Right. Uh, that can only be done through conversation. Yeah, I right. can write it on a nice placard, I can put it on the wall, maybe even draw you a picture. Um, yeah. but at some point I've got a I've got a be able to tell you in a conversational storytelling manner where it is that we're going and what's my vision and the rationale behind all that. And yeah. so if I can't do that, the, we're done. Uh, I can't even get started <laughs> at, at this point. Um, the thing I liked about the article was it, 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 it dispelled the, like the old paradigm. And yeah. so it talked about, you know, a generation ago, uh, a leader, was regarded as an expert, uh, and you know, and we hear so many, you know, you know, people my age, right, the 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 boomers of the world going, you know, they just don't respect their elders. They, you know, yeah. should do it because I say so, and it's like, nope, nope. that that is gone, yeah. <laughs> right, and so you no longer. Uh, you're not regarded as an expert. Uh, you know the, the 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 part about knowledge, right? I have some knowledge that you don't have. Yeah. Well, give me give me twelve seconds and a and a access to Google, <laughs> yep. and I will have the same knowledge that that yep. you have, and and the the authority of position. Uh, mm. That that yeah yeah I you know I'm the manager. Uh, you know I've got. I've got a clipboard and a helmet. Uh, you must listen to me. Uh, nope, don't care. <laughs> yep. not, not, don't care anymore. And so now, uh, you know, the, the, the only thing left is, yeah, my ability to have a conversation and sell ideas. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, he, he uses the example of car sales, which, of course, you and I have a lot of experience with. And this is something our stores, our clients talk about all the time that, you know, the, the, the guy coming in probably knows more than you do in many cases about the particular model he's trying to buy. And so if you approach him as the authority and the expert, well, I mean, obviously you should know as much as you can about your product and you should know the why, as you said earlier, you know, you should have uh, some, some passion for what you've got in front of you and be able to communicate that face to face. But you're not going to be able to be the expert. This guy has been living, eating and breathing the, the car that he's been researching for months now and is coming in uh, armed for this conversation. It just wouldn't work. You know, just it just wouldn't work. And and in leadership, it's going to be really similar to that. People are going to have that ability to, if it's not Google, it's crowdsourcing, right? This this ability to go talk to their network and quickly come up to speed on the things that they need. There are just so many different ways that make the positional uh, leadership uh, not as important as what you're actually doing and engaging in in, in your leadership. Um, so, so he gives some examples, uh, or, or I guess I shouldn't even call it uh, examples. He gives some traits, uh, traits that he thinks will characterize leaders who have become skilled 
conversationalist. So I'll, uh, I, I don't want to steal too much from Newhoff's article, but I want to give us sort of a chance to riff on some of this because we have dealt with this over and over again. Uh, the first is to assume intelligence, uh, to come in assuming that your audience is smart. Now, from a from a leadership perspective, I think we've seen this happen where uh, a leader will try to um, may, maybe they assume that intelligence could happen, but they they sort of try to keep everything from the team so that they don't get intelligent, where they, you know, sort of keep all their secret knowledge behind the uh, behind the vest and, uh, you know, uh, assume that that's their secret sauce and that they can parcel out some of their knowledge and know-how at the right moment. And that's what makes them a great leader is that they have all that know-how and the other people don't. This is saying, just go ahead and assume that they're going to figure out that stuff anyway, and that that's not a big deal. Well, I think it, it speaks to the the uh, old idea in education. Right? There was the empty vessel theory. Yeah. And that all the students were empty vessels and it was the job of the teacher to fill the vessels with knowledge. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your mushy brain. I'm gonna mold it into this knowledgeable thing. the 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 latest idea in when it comes to teaching is to assume that they have intelligence and they have some experience. Mm -hmm. And then can I build upon that experience that they already have and take the you know what they do have and just add to it. And I think that, you know, when you assume intelligence, I think that's a, a big piece of they're not empty when they show up. Right. They've, right. they've seen things, they've heard things, they've done things, no matter what age, uh, whether yeah. it's a, a first grader or, or somebody that's that's been in the workplace for a while, they've all seen some stuff. And go back to your car example. So one of the things that, that we now teach salespeople in the car business is, uh, is to early on in the conversation, you want to ask the customer, have you been on the internet researching? Yeah. And some salespeople, <laughs> when the customer replies, yes, the, you know, the salesperson goes, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, oh, this is not going to go well. And then the opposite approach is fantastic. We find that it's much easier. This process goes so much smoother when people have done some research before they get here. So what have you yep. figured out? Yeah. Uh, you know, now you're assuming intelligence, you've assumed research, you've assumed you've learned something, share that with me. So I don't have to bore you by repeating it. Right. But then I can add any pieces that maybe the internet didn't uh, complete. And, and notice what you're doing there is you are asking open-ended questions. You're uh, getting a conversation going. That takes us to trait number two, which is to invite the dialogue. That goes for somebody in sales. That goes for somebody in leadership that you want to pump out of your people uh, as much uh, meaning as you can and, and provide meaning to them as well. So it's got to be a two-way conversation. And you can't be afraid of that in leadership. You got to actually invite it. It's the It's the one thing that can be the lifeblood of engagement in your organization. So I think your, your, your point's really well taken there. Oh, yeah. And we talk about this, whether, and we talk about this in our workshops, whether you're talking about coaching or you're talking about sales, we talk about the 80-20 ratio. Yep. Uh, that, the, that the client, uh, the, the person you're engaged in the conversation, you want them speaking 80% of the time, you should be talking 20% of the time. Right. And you're thinking, if I'm selling something, shouldn't I be doing all the talking? 
not in this modern nope. era. No, no. I need to discover what they know, uh, what their wants, their needs, their likes, their dislikes are. And that only comes from, from asking good questions and then engaging in a dialogue. That's right. And so, yeah, if I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm monologuing, you know, like I'm a super villain, right. you know, <laughs> giving my diabolical explanation of how I'm going to take over the world, uh, nobody cares. <laughs> They've yeah. tuned you out. Yeah. And so they don't feel there's a connection. So the odds of a, a great understanding or a, a, you know, a great interaction, a great transaction, not going to happen. It's, it's uh, funny you said it the way you did, because I can remember schools that I visited when I was looking to, uh, you know, enroll in a college. And um, I had a couple monologuing schools and I just thought, what are you doing? I, I had one school that monologued and, and I was like, after 30 minutes, I needed to be out of that office. Like, this is not where I'm going to go. If this is what this is, this mm -hmm. is not where I'm going to go. Another school allowed dialogue, but it was with the students. And it turns out they were really dumb. Like they, they, it was not good representation so that the, you know, the, the dialogue was poor, uh, where I ended up going. Um, and it was sort of a foregone conclusion at that point because I had no money and I figured it out. But the the school that I went to, I ended up talking to the director of the honors program Ooh. and she wanted to know more about what brought me to the school and what things I was interested in studying. And she asked me questions. And so uh, guess guess who to this day I have, uh, you know, her email address and, and uh, stay in touch with and, you know. Uh, there, there's I've donated to the school, right? Like, I, you know, I, I really got bought in once um, once that uh, relationship was developed. Well, the relationship develops over time, but it has to start right with me and you sharing some information back and forth. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just picturing 18 year old Ramsey and the, the this honors director says, you know, what brings you here? And it says, well, I'm tired of getting lectured and talking to morons. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would be different here. And lo and behold, it was. I kept oh. that very close to the vest, I will have you know. I, I would never have said such a thing. You're smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. smooth even in your teens. Yeah. Well, so during these dialogues, one of the things that happens is, um, you know, the differing opinions show up. This is true in sales. This is true in leadership, right? You have people that disagree with the policy that we're, deciding to pursue. Uh, they, they think there's a better process out there. Maybe in some cases they're right and we're going to find that out. But in some cases we have a reason for sticking to our guns. So Kerry Newhoff says, respect differing opinions while holding to yours. So I, I think respect being the key word there that I'm going to give you the dignity of the fact that you came to your conclusion with, you know, some uh, you know, some, some reasons <laughs> you didn't just come up with this out of thin air. Uh, you're not evil just because you think differently than I do about this. And let's continue our dialogue, but I'm going to hold my ground as well. There's there's respectfully speaking, this is why I believe what I believe. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's a, another side of this dialogue that he calls out in, in this trade here. Oh yeah. It happened to me yesterday. I was in, uh, I was in a business and uh, I was talking with a group of four managers and uh, yeah, I shared something that I had learned over the, the years doing this. And then one of the managers pushed back and he said, no, my experience is completely different. Mm. Said, All right. So tell me about what you're talking about. And, and the scenario you had was, was different enough than the general scenario that I was referring to that 
that manager was right. The, 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 the system that, that I proposed would not have been the most effective one. And mm -hmm. so he got done and I said, I hadn't thought about it in that context. I think you're absolutely right. The, in the situation you're talking about, my way would not work. I think in the more standard situation, uh, I, I've seen it work you know, very frequently. And one mm -hmm. of the other managers went, whoa, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, just, you just like, like you just learned something there. This <laughs> is like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can have a strong opinion about something, but in the course of the dialogue, figure out that, okay, yeah, there are exceptions, there are extenuating circumstances that, yeah, something else might be a viable option. And, and, but yeah, it, I think it might be so rare that other people watching it commented like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It, somebody, it, it, somebody didn't just go, go, you know, blow to blow, you know, fighting yeah. for their point. It's like, no, no, I can, if you show me another way, then yeah, yeah I'll stick to my, my principles up until the point where you can prove that there's another way to do it. Yeah, I, I've been in that scenario and, and it's weird how everybody sort of turns and, you know, the room gets quiet and the attention's really focused because they think a fight's about to break out. You know, they, it's like, it, and for some of them, I, I do believe it sort of goes back to our, you know, young men we were talking about. It's uncomfortable. This is about to break out. And the answer is it doesn't have to, but I'm glad it held your attention because that means we were, we were intentioned about something and that's a good thing, right? That, that means we were wrestling down to to the real meaning of what's going on and getting to the truth of something we all need that you know that it helped both sides both sides learned oh yeah i learned they learned i got to clarify my point yeah uh, where i was making my point in too general of a fashion uh, yeah. where there was faceted nuances to it yep. yeah, everybody benefited from the dialogue and the fact that yeah we had differing opinions and the manager i was speaking with was had the you know the place was safe enough that he could offer up a differing opinion could you please put that on your tombstone <laughs> faceted nuances <laughs> that was really good wasn't it <laughs> i'm picturing a really attractive tombstone with you know some angles and anyway yes uh so related to that uh his fourth trait uh newhoff says do your homework Right. You, you have to arrive at this conversation knowing your why. Now, again, when you read the article, you're going to see that it's from a Christian context. It's it's from a pastor's point of view. But I think that applies to just about anything. You need to know why you believe what you believe, um, you know, why your policy is the right policy, why this process changes is the, the change that you made, um, why a personnel decision was made. All of that uh, needs to be uh, thought through. And so it's fair to say, do your homework. You had obviously done your homework in the scenario you brought up, I think. Mm -hmm. to say. Yeah, I had, I had seen this for the last 20 years, yep. uh, but not in the scenario that this person proposed it. And so, yeah, I was very confident uh, that, you know, my way forward was a, was a viable solution. Yeah. So when, when you think about do your homework, I think there's a, there's another piece of this, which would be, uh, to try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm. If I can see it through their lens, if I had lived their life, you know, come up through the organization, you know, whatever it is, if I can yeah. put myself in the shoes, there's a pretty good chance I may be able to clearly understand, okay, if I would, if I, if this is what I knew, then I may also have come to the same conclusion that this person did. And that allows us to talk to, you know, where did I come from with this? And then my homework, I see that you've come up this way. 
and, and this is your line of thinking. Yeah, let's let's see where the gaps are, and if we can fill those gaps in, see where we get to. Yeah, I I think that's really well said. the The fifth trait uh, to to wrap this up, it's it the others have kind of gone in a sequence. This one sort of is a universal application, and it's kind of modern. Engage online. Engage online. So you know, obviously, there are certain conversations that need to be voice to voice, face to face because they're tense or there's they're complicated enough that you know the meaning wouldn't get across but I know this is something that you've uh, made as a part of the coaching training that you and I have uh, conducted is to talk about how you go about um, asking questions and how you go about coaching uh, one of the things you say to do is I, I believe it's uh, use all channels mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so we've got all this technology, we've got all these channels, uh, and when we think channels, uh, uh, you can think, uh, you know, email, text, right. uh, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, uh, Slack, Basecamp, Microsoft Teams, right? The, stop, the, it hurts, Mike, stop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the channels are endless, and, and so think about if I'm going to, if I'm going to engage in this, are all the, are all the channels useful? And right. so, uh, you know, just had one this week. We we started a conversation. The uh, the leader of the organization sent out an email asking for everybody's feedback on a topic. Mm -hmm. So then you could read the emails as they came back and go, okay, all right, I see where everybody's coming from on this. Yeah. And then uh, he's following it up with an in-person meeting. Uh, so, uh, you know, the in-person time is so valuable that all right, I want to I want to get your 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 you thinking about this early. I want you to clarify your thoughts to the point where you can type them out, and everybody will have seen them ahead of time, and we'll be able to start this thing you know at, at a very mm -hmm. high level when we get in the room at the same time and and use every precious moment of this face to face time. Oh, interesting. And so that's a you know that would be a you know check this out. That would be an omni channel approach. Uh, yeah, I'm killing it with the words today. So modern. Yeah. I'm telling you, elementary school is good for me. <laughs> I need You've to been go every that for years. I, I need to go the, you know, every morning. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, let's use all the tools. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a minty meter, a Kahoot, uh, right? Get some feedback. All of a sudden, we're able to dive into the conversation without the normal warm up period and and topic introduction yeah. period. Yeah, and you and I have uh, in in one of our workshops we've had an example where, uh, you know, the a text went out, the the GM responded to the text, the general manager responded to the text with a question, and then you know there was a response, and then there was another question, and then there was a response, and then there was another question, and what ended up happening was uh, the the person got their own answer. And also grew a little bit as a result of, you know, what was essentially a coaching interaction that that happened, you know, I guess you'd say asynchronously, you know, mm -hmm. they they were uh, they were doing it sort of uh, not live, but when they could and uh, never had to have a phone call about it. But, but the, the you know, the, the question got answered and the person grew as a result so that this it can happen. You can even coach uh, without it being uh, live. Um, we'll put a link to this article in the, the show notes, as they say, uh, we'll put a link to the uh, blog post as well. Cause we, we throw some resources in there, uh, because this is so part and parcel to the, the concept that is near and dear to my heart of dialectic, that, that there's this 
there's this thing that has to happen, a bundle of skills that comes along with the idea of having conversation and really thinking through with good questions and a good wrestling match over ideas that allows you to arrive at what's really true. Um, and, and that's what dialectic is. It's very, very similar to what we're talking about here. So we'll, we'll link to all of this in our show notes and show notes. I guess I should say, don't, you know, don't forget to hit like, and subscribe, give us a five-star iTunes review I, all the things that you're supposed to say at this point. I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what's happening. Me neither. No clue. Uh, two book, uh, two book recommendations on this yes. topic in addition to the article. So uh, I would think the coaching habit, uh, which we've referenced many times, uh, mm -hmm. Michael Bungay Stainer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, follows a, a lot in this uh, this this model that we're talking about. And uh, the other one would be the the storyteller's secret. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, a wonderful book about, yeah, if I'm going to be a conversationalist, right? I, you know, part yeah. of that may entail telling a story and one that's engaging and, and gets people, uh, you know, to 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 lean in uh, to what it is that, that we're talking about. So uh, both of those highly recommend uh, and give you a, a, a more nuanced toolbox uh, to draw from when you're thinking about how do I become a great conversationalist? Just make sure the facets are nuanced. That's the oh, main yeah. part of this discussion. The, uh, it's kind of like my head, this <laughs> faceted nuance. <laughs> you know, it's got these stealthy angles to it. <laughs> yeah, kind of frightening. The uh, Speaking of conversationalists, there's yes. our narrator, uh, the man of few words but powerful words. Uh, please uh, take it away, Mr. Wolf. And that's it. Join us next time when you'll hear Mike say, well, I'm sure he'll say something pithy. Don't miss it. Next time, it doesn't take a genius. That's good enough.